Yeah, we have so nope. many babies in the yard. It's ridiculous. <laughs> this is the Creative Double Shot, a conversation about building the creative life you want. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Ginger. If you want more creativity in your life, let's talk. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Creative Double Shot. Welcome. Yes. <laughs> Today, we're talking about the link between curiosity and inspiration. This is also our silver anniversary. Well, <gasps> actually, our, it's our 25th episode, not oh. really 25 years. Although for <laughs> listeners, maybe it feels like 25 years. It's tough to say. But uh, yeah, so we're talking about the link between curiosity and inspiration. And the reason we're talking about this is because so many times in our creative practices, we find ourselves stuck, whether it's kind of like uh, mired down in how boring our project is because it's awful, and, uh, or maybe we are scared of taking mm. our project forward, and so we find reasons to put something aside in favor of the new shiny. Um, or... Another one that we were talking about was the idea that you see somebody who's created work that's similar to what either you're doing or want to do, and it just totally deflates your balloon. Hmm. And so there's just all this stuff wrapped up in there. Um, where we currently are in our creative practices, we are consciously kind of looking into this stuff. Again, the podcast has been really helpful for us to become more aware and intentional in our practices. And so here we are. You've been working on this new body of work the last month or so. Yeah, maybe a month and a half. Might even be getting on two months now. Which is crazy because time does indeed fly. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and I'm working on a new novel concept, so I'm working through a bunch of stuff. And so it really is very timely for us, but also it always seems like the right time for any creative because we're always struggling with doubts and all that kind of stuff and, and questioning whether we're even doing the right project. So... The hope is, is that as we kind of work through this, that we leave you with some tools to maybe punch your way out of that, uh, this metaphor is really weird now, uh, <laughs> that wet paper bag that you found yourself in because you're doing performance art and maybe it's not the right thing for you. Oh. No. <laughs> so You need to be curious like a puppet. <laughs> That's why they call me whiskers. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? Uh, so tell me a little bit about where you are in your process and something that you just have done recently, kind of in direct response to wanting to deviate from what your original plan was, or even that you recrafted your original plan because of, of reasons. So anyway, I'll let you kind of talk through it a little bit. <laughs> I can't remember what I was going to say now. No, I'm just kidding. Yes. So I've started this new body of work and it's very personal. And I've only shared it. I, I think I've said this on the podcast before that I only share, I've only shared it with my newsletter list, but I am doing this work and I was finding myself in the last couple of weeks very resistant. I had all these ideas. And I think even on the last podcast, I talked about opening my notebook and finding a whole bunch of ideas and going, oh, yeah, yeah, this is why I was excited about it. And I was still finding myself resistant and oddly enough, checking my phone obsessively. The digital dragon rears its ugly head. Yes, it's always a sign for me that I'm resisting something. And so I had this sort of epiphany the other day 
that I was resistant because I was starting to feel these shoulds and I had done a certain number of paintings and drawings and stuff in this line. And then I told myself, you know what, you've gone as far as you can go with this. You need to, you know, try something new or you need to get, do something to get yourself excited, which has always in the past been trying something new, trying a new technique or a new, you know, medium medium or or something. Yeah. So, but this time I wasn't doing that either. I was just sort of frozen in this indecisive state. And again, like checking my phone and just doing stuff that was doing dishes. You know, we've talked about dishes. So anyway, I uh, had this epiphany that the reason I wasn't moving was because my intuition knew that I didn't want to leave this behind. Like my inner critic was saying, this is dumb and who's going to want to see this and you've done as much as you can do, you know, you've had all the ideas or whatever, so move on. And, you know, in the past I had done that, so it was sort of a habit and a narrative as well. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, And so, but then I realized, wow, my intuition is saying, no, do more of this. Oh, and what I was doing was I was bringing a whole bunch more reference material down to the studio with me. Ah. So I was piling up like photographs of things, you know, cats and chairs and stuff like that that I'm working <laughs> on and my child. And, um, and I realized that I had given myself way too much source material. Mm-hmm. And so I was overwhelmed by it, you know. And so I realized, okay, I need to shut some doors here and just focus on. Uh, so I narrowed it down to three. I was like, I'm only going to focus on these three scenes. And just do those. And then I had my accountability call with uh, one of my art partners. And uh, she's like, what if you tried only one? And that felt like a huge relief, you know, like, yeah, "Yeah, you know, one. And so once I did that and I removed everything from my table that had to do with everything else besides this one scene that I want to work on. And I just, it got me flowing. It got me moving again. That's awesome. I think the the beauty of that limitation is that what it does is it it removes too many options, the choice overload, and it also allows you to dig deeper into that one thing versus shallowly across more things, which I think is kind of our nature because of the fear factor, right? It's like, well, what if I get way down in there and I find out it's not the right thing? And, and it's I've like, wasted my time right. and wasted the resources. Yeah. And as we all know, none of that's a waste of time, Never. right? But if you don't allow yourself those moments to really go deep, you're probably only scratching the surface and you're doing yourself a disservice and injustice of a creative crime, if you will, oh. of you know, not, not allowing yourself <laughs> to really be in that particular moment or that particular uh, project. Yeah. And I think, I think that's fascinating. We uh, saw a documentary. We might have mentioned it on the podcast before, but uh, it's called Embrace the Shake. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it was a TED Talk. But the, the guy, he was an illustrator and he, you know, did amazing illustrations and eventually he started developing this tremor. And what he found was that the more he tried to control it, the worse it got. Mm. And he went to the doctor, whatever the appropriate do- neurologist maybe. But anyway, he went to the doctor and after a long discussion and stuff, the doctor was like, well, have you thought about just embracing the shake? And of course, that was totally antithetical to everything a controlled illustrator would do. Right. But he did. And, and so instead of being 
afraid of it or, or trying to banish it. It was like, well, this is what I have. And, and of course, because he was a super talented illustrator and, you know, obviously through lots of practice and repetition, he was able to do amazing illustrations, even with the shake, they were just different, right? Yeah. And, and how cool is that? It's like, here, this doctor opened up a whole world to him that he would never have thought of on his own because he was trying to make sure it was the way it was before too. Yes. And that's another thing too. So you come in, you start a new project and you remember the good feelings from previous projects and they're not happening. And so that also contributes to us to wanting to be like, nah, you know, feeling uninspired about our current project because, you know, we're not there yet. And yes. And so for my writing practice, for the current novel concept I'm working on, I've been dealing with exactly that. It's been, I'm, I'm working through concepts. And of course, you know, you always want the first ones to be amazing. When in fact, the process is, yeah, you have to go through a lot of iterations, a lot of thoughts, a lot of things to get to something that feels good in the long term, as opposed to like, oh, this sounds really cool. And then you start digging through, it's like, yeah. And so I'm kind of at the opposite end of the spectrum as you. I'm I'm opening as many doors as I can right mm. now, and I'm allowing myself to fully examine something or investigate it and then go, no, I don't think that's right. I kept having this one character. I, th I feel like I need this character. And I was writing in my journal about this character, and I'm like, well, what, who is this person, and what do, they, what do they do? Why are they here? And I wrote down like, oh, well, da, 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 and then I got to the end of it, and I was like, and all right, let's just exclude them for now. <laughs> And then yeah. if I feel like I need to have another character later on as I get deeper into things, then I have this guy in reserve. But ultimately, I don't, like I, I tend to go toward complex, probably not unlike the same thing with you with your reference images, where it's like, oh, that would be cool. That would be neat. Let's bring all these pieces in together and, uh, and see, and, and it's going to be all intricate and complex, and which of course means sophisticated. Right. <laughs> And shows how smart I am. Exactly. <laughs> I can't control it, but I'm really smart. <laughs> and so anyway, one of the things that I've been doing is when I've hit these sort of dead spots in this process of like, so there's that guy, but then there are also characters and, and uh, places. And I'm just like, oh, I don't know. Like I, I, was, I was literally writing down, I think I've answered all the questions I can about this. And immediately like 40 questions popped <laughs> in my mind. And so I was like, well, let's ask some of those questions. Let's use that curiosity to dig deeper into this particular character, for example, and ask more questions about who they are and what, what are their motivations? Why are they even, you know, just like I asked about the, this other character before, why are they here? Like, what is their purpose and what do they want? All that kind of stuff. And, and I found in that way, I'm closing doors and working deeper on that one particular character because I want to know more about them. And that helps helps me get inspired about the story again, because as I do that, then other threads from, you know, either plot threads or place threads or other character threads start to connect. Yeah. If it sounds like a very dizzying, disorienting, <laughs> uh, disjointed process, it is, it you know, is. it's just like, oh, but. Welcome to creativity. Well, and that goes back to that whole thing of like, yes, I want this to feel like my last novel did. But it's not going to get to that point until I put the work in. And so embracing that whole messy process is, is in some ways inspiring unto itself. Because it's like, I know that if I do this, that it will yield similar results. Maybe not exactly the same, but at least that's that feeling of excitement about the project. And, and it's, kind of, it's been kind of fun, uh, you know. Keep it fun. Exactly. If it's not fun, maybe you should rethink it. 
So yeah, I mean, that's kind of where we are. And, and I, I would imagine if you're listening to this, that you're thinking if, if you've if you have a creative practice or you've done any creative work, you know, whether it's video editing or pottery or whatever, you, you hit these walls and it's easy to discard stuff and just say, oh, well, I guess that's just not meant to be versus ask, starting asking yourself those curiosity questions like, well, why is this boring to me? Why do I find that this is flat? What don't I like about this? What do I like about this? And, and just asking as many questions as you can because... I think you'll find that there's a lot of deep layers in there as to why, why you're feeling that way. And also there are a lot of answers in there. When you ask those questions, you start to come up with answers that will help guide you back to a place for that project, or maybe turn the project just a little bit without abandoning it. You know? Right. Because it's yeah. all about the iteration. I definitely tend to throw the baby in the bathwater out just completely, you know, like, well. Yeah, we have so nope. many babies in the yard. It's ridiculous. <laughs> But uh, what I find really fascinating about curiosity and inspiration is that a lot of times we look at other people's art yeah. to get inspiration or we, re you know, as a writer, you're a reader and, yeah. and you know, as a artist, I love scrolling through Instagram, as everyone knows, <laughs> and looking at what other people are doing. Books too. You look through books sometimes. And books, oh, a few, once in a while. And so there's this little spark that can happen when you see somebody doing something, you go, oh, I love that color combination. I'm going to try that in a painting. But there's another side of that coin. Yeah. You see something in someone else's work that immediately feels deflating or discouraging. If you're working on a project and you have this idea and you feel like, oh my gosh, this idea is so cool. And I, I think, I don't think it's out there. Or if it is, I haven't seen it. And then you come across something that's like, well, that's exactly what I want to do. And, <laughs> and, and they're doing it really well and it's intimidating. And, and so why should I bother? Yeah. Right. And so that's just like, shuts you oh, down. Oh, it does. And, yeah, uh, that's real. And that's when it's time to hang up your art career, people. So, <laughs> no. <laughs> well, no. And, and so the, here's, here's where the curiosity comes in, right? Where it's mm. like, okay, just like before you ask yourself these questions, it's like, well, A, why does that shut me down? But B, what do I like about their work? And why did I want to do my work in the first place? And, you know, if nothing else, obviously you don't want to copy that person's work anyway. So how can you draw inspiration from that work and work through your own stuff and stick with it? Because if you like the, if you like the concept enough, eventually your own personal take on it's going to come out. And even if that means going through periods of your project where your stuff looks exactly like that other person's exactly. or looks like a poor imitation of that right. other person's. That's and I think okay. That's the, that's the part where the fear really comes in. It's oh, like, yeah. oh my God, we can't ever do derivative work. But the fact is, hell yeah. You can we do all do derivative work. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah get it out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's the beauty of. It is. It, it absolutely, like, there's a quote about, you know, give yourself permission to do ugly work. Yes. Because who cares? And, and speaking of who cares, like we worry about, oh, well, you know, so-and-so over in San Francisco is doing this work and someone in Charlotte's doing this work that looks just like the work I want to do. And it's like, yeah, but you as an artist are way more in tune with the work that other artists are doing, but the people who are probably consuming your art don't know. I mean, I, you know, there are regional markets that people out, they don't know what the heck's going on outside exactly. of those markets. And, and just ultimately it comes back to, creating for yourself and 
tapping into the things that get you super jazzed and letting that be your guide versus worrying about someone's going to say, oh, that looks just like Joe Bob's work, you know, and it's like, well, okay, well then that's not for you then, apparently, person. You know, sometimes it's hard to imagine why your work, your unique take on something would be interesting or worth sharing. If you're creating from the heart and not because you're like, I want to make the money or I want even the accolades, right? Like, ah, who doesn't love accolades? I, I love them. But if that's the only reason that you're creating, you're going to find yourself disappointed as soon as somebody says, oh, well, I, that's derivative or I've seen that before or I, or I just don't like it. And so you have to be secure enough that this is the work that you want to be doing and, and the rest will, will follow, as we've yes. said many, many times. And um, a, a wise person this morning said, and I wrote it down. Oh, yeah? You can't be all things to all people. So be what you want to be to yourself. That guy. I like that <gasps> Jonathan <guy>. Dance. <laughs> uh, we are releasing a quote book. Uh, it's going to have one <laughs> quote in it. Uh, be out in time for Christmas. Um, but yeah, no, it's true. I, I, it's funny. It, like, all, again, all the cliche sayings that you hear throughout your life about, you know, just be true to yourself and stuff. I think it's more true in, cre- in a creative practice than it is well, not anywhere else, but it's very important in creative practice. Yes. And so at the end of your life, will you be happier that you made a million dollars or that you made the art that you wanted to make? I mean, if you can do both, hey, that's, yes. that's even better. <laughs> that's what we're aiming for. But <laughs> if, you can, if you can just really be satisfied with what you've created, I think that then your only regret will be that you don't have more time to create. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, that's what, who, who, oh, was it Picasso? Or Matisse, somebody, when they were 97 on their deathbed, and they were like, darn, I was just getting good. <laughs> right. Well, and it's true, you know, and which is part of the allure of the creative practice, which I don't think you know when you first start, but is the idea that you're always learning. You're the lifelong student, and that's, that's half of the excitement of it is like, ooh, this is really hard, and I'm going to work through this and, and make my way there. And, and those curiosity questions help you get to that point, you see a lot of artists, they have phases, right? Like, oh, and especially visual artists. So, you know, they work through it and then they want to do something else because they want to get that excitement again and try new things and challenge themselves. And I think that that is all part of the curiosity factor because it's like, well, oh, this looks hard. What, can I do this? And then you find out that if you work at it hard enough, usually the answer is yes. yes. I, I think, you know, we're talking about inspiration too, right? So there's this there are these things that deflate us that kind of make us like, oh man, you know, I'm not original. Somebody else is already doing all the things we just mentioned. But then there's also the inspiration that is just all around us all the time. And being curious about the world mm. is, a, is a big factor in being able to draw inspiration from everyday stuff, from people's conversations, from scenes, from vignettes, you know, like you think about photography and how interesting photography is usually how they decide to compose their shot, right? And so it's like, oh, well, that's just a sidewalk and a railing. But it's like, yeah, but they went close up, did it at this angle, it's got this sunlight. And suddenly it's like, oh my gosh, that's just magical. Yeah. And I feel like that's the world in a nutshell, you know, like if you are willing to take a deep breath and kind of look around and observe while you're out and about or in your home or whatever, that you're going to find, you're going to find things there that, that ins- not you might not build a whole project around, but you're like, ooh, I love the way that light is. That makes me think of this in my head, like as a writer. And I'm like, okay, well, how do I 
I want to incorporate that sort of feeling. I always think of like mood and tone that I want to bring into stuff. It informs how then the story is told, but it's not the story, right? And so there are these little inspirations you can get from, from stuff like that, which I think is really cool. It brings to mind for me that a lot, I used to think that inspiration only happened in the studio, you know, like that, oh, I need more studio time. And then I would get into the studio and, of course, you know, waste my time making cups of coffee and whatever. (laughs) And then it was one one of our creative weekends that this thing happened where I was sitting in nature watching the sunlight filter through the gently blowing leaves and stuff like that. And I was... I felt totally at peace, and I thought, even though I don't do paintings of trees and leaves, I feel so inspired right now mm-hmm. to just soak this in. And, and so every, every experience that we have, if we're willing to be open to it, can be part of our inspirational thing. It's not this, we get this e- either-or situation where we think it only happens in certain ways, but life is creativity, and creativity is life. Yeah, that's true. Well, I, I think it's really cool because it, I think what it means is that, you know, we, we are part of something bigger and we don't, in, in our modern society, we don't give ourselves by default enough leeway to appreciate that. And I think a lot of things might be a little better if more of us did that, you know, mm-hmm. because man, it's, it is it's so powerful just to be like, there are two things. One is I'm part of this amazing thing. And the other one is I'm a really, really tiny part of this amazing mm-hmm. thing. And that goes back to that worrying about what other people are saying, or what people might think, or that someone else is already doing it. And the reality is, is like, man, there's space enough for everybody to do all the art in the world. And then some, you know, shoot it out into space if you want, I guess. But we were talking about this earlier. When you think about the people who's, who are household names from the art world, there aren't that many of them. I mean, you know, if you're an art historian, then okay, yeah. Oh, well, there's the, you know, 10,000. It's like, well, okay, great. But if you talk to the, any normal person who is not necessarily an art aficionado, they may very well be able to list off maybe, what, 20 artists that, you know, they can remember from popular culture, Andy Warhol, Van Gogh, right. you know, whatever. <laughs> um, and I guess the, my point is, is going back to the insignificance, is that there are millions of people who have created art, maybe, maybe a billion, I don't know. But, you know, so many people who have toiled in anonymity and enjoyed their lives as a result of it that are not, didn't make a million dollars and are not household names. And doesn't mean their life wasn't any richer as a result, right? It's just, it's again, what are you doing this for? And I think asking those curiosity questions helps you really pin that down and you have to do it over and over again because it's practice. Yeah. You never arrive. That's the other thing that this podcast has really taught me. Like, oh, it's all, it's our upward spiraling thing. You never just get to this point where like, okay, that's it. I am through and through a creative and have it all figured out. You know, the point is not having it figured out. Yeah. The point is just to immerse and and enjoy and and be in it. And it's funny, you talking about that reminds me of the story of this guy. He was a famous science fiction writer from, you know, the 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s, probably the wrong guy, but I think it was Jack Vance. And he got, he was interviewed on this podcast the Starship Sofa, one of my mm-hmm. favorites. But he was interviewed and the guy's like, oh, I don't write anymore. Yeah, and he's, he, I think at the time he was like 89. He's like, oh, I don't write anymore. I play jazz because he's, uh, I think he's legally blind or and I, I think he's since passed. But the idea was he was still very much into creativity 
And to him, it wasn't necessarily the medium that was the important thing. It was the idea of being able to be creative. And he probably felt like he had, I'm assuming either it was his sight that caused him to make the switch or, you know, you see it happen all the time. People do creative stuff and then they, they stop. And it's not because they've arrived, but it might be because they found something else that speaks to them more. Yeah. And so I guess that just kind of reinforces what you're saying about the having arrived. It's like you never arrive, especially if you're curious, because I was yeah. like, well, that's really cool. But I also, you know, I mean, I think of like all the things that I'd love to do before oh. I die. And I know I won't be able to get to all of them, but you know, that alone is inspiration that makes me want to like turn this off and get down to doing some <laughs> things, some you know, oh, wait. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. No. Um, yeah. Anyway. So, oh, so, and also I just want to quickly throw in there that even if you only have 15 minutes a day to do something, because I, I think I'm going to write a book. I think it's already been written, but something about, you know, 15 minutes a day to happiness or something. But uh, <laughs> Do it. Do it in your way. But did I mention this on the podcast last week that I, I uh, have been playing my ukulele 15 minutes a day? I think and, so, yeah. And I've been doing it for two weeks now, so I consider myself an expert in this 15-minute-a-day thing. But I also, <laughs> I also did it with yoga yeah. a couple of years ago where I kept feeling like, oh, you have to do an hour and a half of it four times a week for it to be effective or whatever. And it just wasn't happening. So then I told myself, I'm going to do 10 or 15 minutes a day of yoga. Mm -hmm. And I noticed myself getting stronger. And the same with the ukulele. And I, I just feel like you have 15 minutes a day to be curious about something that yeah. you're interested in. Absolutely. And if you don't, you, you definitely need to reexamine. Well, yeah, if you think you don't, right. maybe take that, that breath, take that pause and look at how your time is used throughout the day. And, you know, we talked about that before. It's like, man, at this point, it's like, okay, when I go to pick up a de my device, like, well, is this what I want to do? No, put that down. We just, oh. <laughs> we just had a conversation. <laughs> I didn't get a text from last night till this morning. And I was just like, Ginger's like, you haven't checked your phone since then? <laughs> like, no. For 24 hours. No, it wasn't 24 it hours. It was. You got that text at 9 a.m. No, it was nine. It was last night. <gasps> oh. <laughs> I thought it was 24 hours you went and and Jonathan said what you can't imagine not checking your phone for 12 hours and I was like no I can't imagine that oh, ever. It's glorious because there's so much other stuff to do but uh I'm because sure. I need to harness harn, harness I need to harness the Harm dragon us. you said <gasps> harness that was a Freudian slip that's right oh we're making some breakthroughs well, here, people. <laughs> uh, anyway, remember the dragon, harnessing the dragon, digital dragon episode. That's right. That's, that was episode 24. Yes. If you need to go or back and refer. Uh-oh. Was it two episodes ago? Oh, well. Uh-oh. That's what happens here. Create a double <laughs> shot. So, yeah, you know, I, being curious about yourself, about the world, about your practice is always going to, if, if you're willing to dig in, is going to yield results. And they might not all be awesome. But they will all be like little stepping stones to your yes. bigger thing. And I, I was going to ask you when you were talking about the 15 minutes a day is that, so you're, you're definitely focused on the product, which I totally get. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, for 15 minutes a day, I can build something that is lasting in my ukulele practice, for example, where I can play songs and it's fun. What are you thinking while you're in those short periods of time? Are you thinking anything like, or are you just, are you allowing yourself to be in the moment? Or are you just like, having a little gratitude for being in that little tiny moment. I, I'm just uh, curious. Well, I'll tell you, I think it's absolutely in the moment because I have set the timer for 15 minutes. I set a timer. 
So I set a timer for 15 minutes. I pick up my ukulele uh-huh. and I commit to not doing anything besides working on the three little songs that I'm working on. And the time flies by. And then I turn off the timer and I say, okay, tomorrow I've got another 15 minutes. It's like somehow I I really am in the moment in those. Yeah. Which is that whole thing about, you know, just taking one action where people, oh, I have three hours ahead of me and I just, it seems like a lot. What am I going to do? And it's like, well, just set that timer for 15 minutes. And because I think that's the other thing too, a lot of times we come to our creative practice with all these weights, these, these mm-hmm. notions when in fact, all we just want to be doing is creating. So like allow ourselves that, like give yourself permission to, to not load it with a bunch of what happens after stuff and yes. just be, be in the moment, you know? Yeah. And uh, that's it really. But there's so much inspiration available out there. I, you know, I was hoping we would kind of get into um, some more like, uh, I guess, crunchy bits of inspiration in, in our practices, like literally where do we draw stuff from? And I, I think mm-hmm. we kind of touch on a little bit. So Part we'll, two. Yeah, or, or we'll save oh. it for a future episode. But yeah, absolutely. Uh, the thing that people get asked a lot is, well, where do you get your ideas? Mm-hmm. And the reality is I think most people get them all from all over the place. And sometimes they hit us when we're not thinking, looking for them. And, you know, the tighter we try to control them, the harder it is to make it happen. And you just have to be, be open and, and all that kind of stuff. So and maybe we don't need another episode. Maybe that was it. I don't know. <laughs> so if you find yourself in a, in a doldrum, just start asking yourself questions about that doldrum and the work you're doing in yourself and, and the, you know, the better feeling thought, like, well, what would, what would feel better? That's a curiosity question. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be like a quantum leap as we've talked about. So that's kind of cool. And that's what we'll leave you with because uh, it's a lot because once you start asking those questions, it, it's oh. like a a mold colony where it just propagates <laughs> and suddenly you like questions beget questions. And, and of course, you know, they won't always lead to the right answer or to the place, but they'll get, they'll get those wheels turning and yes. get that inspiration. Thank you guys for tuning in <laughs> and uh, we'll see you next week on the creative double shot. See ya. See ya.